Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. How many are ready for the Word of God? Amen. I'm excited to preach today. You know, I want to share um, from a text that God um, gave to my wife and I a, a, a group of verses before we moved to Chicago. The Lord sort of gave us some marching orders. And the truth of the matter is, is that these, this passage of Scripture was so personal to me that I... I never thought in my mind to actually preach it to the congregation. And over the years, I've shared it a few times, but more kind of like with, in, with leaders, kind of pastors, that kind of context. And then uh, two or three weeks ago, when I was in Philadelphia, I, um, I felt I was reminded, and I actually preached it there because the Lord was reminding me of the principles and the ideals that he gave us to launch the Chicago Tabernacle. And, you know, what I want to talk to you about today, these principles are, they're more than just kind of leadership strategies. Could we turn the the keyboard down just a hair? More than just um, leadership strategies, but these are like principles that I, I try to live by every day. And honestly, I I even pray that my own kids would really live by what I want to talk to you about. When I I look at at church history, I see um, the people that God really used, they lived by what I'm going to share. Over the years, the, the people that I was close enough to, some, see, When it comes to certain things about someone's walk with God, you have to be really close to discern um, the deep things about how they live. And honestly, over the years, the, the people that I've had the privilege of being close to, I've noticed there's a difference between those who are very successful and very blessed. There's a difference. You can be very successful, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you're walking out the the high life, the quality of blessing that can really come from serving God and honoring God. And and that's kind of what I want to share with you today. I think about the fact that we're in a a post-COVID world, and in a lot of ways, everyone is is kind of relaunching their lives. We're kind of starting all over again. And as we start all over again, I want to um, share about the kind of faith that we need so that we can step into the fullness of what God has for our lives. So the title of today's message is called Launching Faith. Everybody say Launching Faith. Launching faith. Yeah, even though 
Um, um, the, the world was hit by a knockout punch. Like since I've been alive, I've never seen anything like the impact of COVID and all of the associated things that have taken place. And the world kind of literally got knocked down and shut down and all of these things. But how many know just because the world is knocked down and shut down, how many know the people of God don't need to live knocked down and shut down? We can be moving forward. We can be launching in the plan of God and in the will of God, we don't have to live by what I'll call settling faith. Some people have settled down to the dynamics of difficulty and they say, well, this is what it is. That's not the way it is for the child of God. The child of God says, even in difficult circumstances, God can use me, God can bless me, God can launch me into exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. What does launch mean? Launch means, listen to this, to, to the definition of launch. It means to throw forward, to catapult, to spring forward, and to take off. Anybody want God to catapult your life? Anybody ready to be thrown forward by the power of the Holy Spirit? It takes launching faith. And so this is a... Um, um, very, very important for us to like take this in deeply. We're going to look now at an episode from the life of David. And one of the things that we should do when we look at the life of David is we should ask ourselves, why was David's life so blessed when he had so much against him? I mean, David had a lot of tough things going on all throughout his life. When he was a little boy, he was kind of dismissed by his father. We all know the impact of what daddy issues can do to young men. The prophet comes, he says, I'm gonna anoint someone. He didn't even consider bringing David. David was, was left out of a very special event in his family's life. Nobody knows how he must have felt that day. He was left out by his father. He goes to the, he brings lunch to his brothers and we know throughout the, the, his uh, upbringing, his brothers were not nice to him. He starts asking questions. Why is everybody afraid? What is going on here? Why is everybody panicking? Because Goliath was standing there taunting the armies of Israel. And when he's asking questions because he's full of faith, what do his brothers do? His brothers criticize him and put him down. All of his life, he had to deal with hardships and difficulties. But David, he had launching faith. There was something about him that would attract the presence of God and the blessing of God, no matter where he found himself. And so I want to look at one of these moments where David exercised launching faith. And here's my prayer. My prayer is that everyone who's watching online, my prayer that everyone here who's listening, everyone in this building, that if we're not there, that we would really cross over to launching faith. Amen. Settling faith is okay, but launching faith is better. The faith that expects that God is going to do something even when a giant is in front of you. 
The faith that says, even when there's great difficulties, my God is greater because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. How many know our God is a great and mighty God? We don't have to settle. We can, we can believe God to launch us. God can launch a career today. God can launch marriages in a whole new way today. But faith is what's pleasing and attractive to God. So Lord, shape our lives. All right, so let's read. This is 1 Samuel chapter 22, just five verses. But I want you to know you see this pattern in David's life over and over and over again. So the Bible says here, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So this is another moment. Everybody look at me for a second. This is another moment of hardship in David's life. David slays Goliath. Everybody knows that story. He slays Goliath. He starts to, to um, he becomes the leader of Saul's army. He starts to win battles. And what does he get for doing all of those great things? Guess what he got? He got jealousy. He got politics. He got people coming after him. Literally right now, the king becomes jealous and is trying to kill him. He is running for his life. And he runs and finds himself in a cave. But you can be in a cave and God can still launch you. You can be in a hard place. God is greater than our caves. Let's open our eyes. Let's open our faith to see what God wants to say to us. It says he escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Then it says, from there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, now look, this is super subtle. We're gonna, I'm gonna unpack this in a moment, but I want you to notice that when you read the word of God, sometimes something is slipped in and you're like, why was this put in? It's for a reason. Every word of God is filled with powerful, life-giving, life-transforming truth. Even the mundane things, all scripture is God-breathed. The Bible is different from every other book on the planet. This is the living word of God. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's cheer for the Bible today. Let's cheer for the word of God today. Hallelujah. If you want to change your life, live by the word. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. The word is the way, the truth, and the life. If it's in the word, it's for us. Okay, so it says, from there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. And then one more verse. It says, but the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left. He leaves the cave now because the prophet comes and says, Saul's gonna come get you. So now you gotta run. 
It says, so David left and went to the forest of Hareth. So we're going to learn from a day in the life of David, but not an easy day. Actually a difficult day. And I need to say this to you before we pray. You see, because we don't understand the ways of God. And part of what we, have to, what we need to understand is that with God, there are very unique launching paths. God grows us and blesses us and promotes us really from places of difficulty, not from places of pleasure. Can I tell you something? Your life, the advancement, the big breakthroughs of your life, the biggest, the most important destiny-defining moments of your life are always in seasons of hardship and difficulty. And that's why today's message is so important. Because we get to see um, very important aspects of David's faith. This is why we really can go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. How many know there is no end to what God wants to do in us and through us? Somebody say amen. The Bible promises he can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we can even ask or imagine. God wants to blow your mind with what he does in you and what he does through you. Somebody say amen before we pray. Hallelujah. See? At the end of the service, you're going to clap better for that. Because you'll have launching faith, hopefully, right? Don't settle. If you're watching online, don't settle. God has great things for his people. But remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what could happen to your life, to your marriage, to your future, to your career, to, to the impact that you make if you could really, really step into a life of faith? So let's pray. Lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful service that we've had. Lord, it's been so good to focus on you. It's been so good to see one another. It's been so good, Lord, to lift up our precious babies to you. And God, now we open our hearts to receive the word. God, I pray that you would minister the word and that you would move each and every person here into launching faith. God, maybe someone is in a cave today. Maybe someone is on the run today. Maybe someone is under attack today. But Father, we rejoice today because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We rejoice because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So release faith, oh God, in this house. Every person hearing, online, in the room, release launching faith. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can really love the Lord, but not be walking in faith. And sometimes people, we have to be very deliberate about that. You can love the Lord, but be in settle mode. And so here's what we can learn from David's launching faith. Number one, launching faith expects 
divine addition. Everyone say divine addition. This is like the, one of the key characteristics of someone who has launching faith. Launching faith has this expectation that God is going to add. What is divine addition? Divine addition is God adding from nothing. Okay? God adds from nothing. The Bible says, look, not just speaking to David, this is to any child of faith. It's speaking of Abraham. Here's how he described Abraham, the father of faith. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead, and then watch this, and calls into being things that were not. That means that launching faith says, it's not here, but God is gonna bring it here. God is going to add. I don't know how God is going to do it, but even though I'm in a place of emptiness, even though I'm in a cave, my eyes are looking up because I'm expecting God to do something. God is going to add. How many know God is going to send from heaven? How do we get all the stuff that we have? It's divine addition. It's not us. It's him. Somebody give him praise because he's always adding. How do you think you got all the stuff that you have? How do we get all the blessings that we have? It was because of us, not so. It was the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the mercy of God, the kindness of God. It's all divine addition. Nobody knows where you would be without Jesus. Where would Al Toledo be? Nobody knows. And I don't want to know. You see? But we're in the Lord... Or maybe you're here and you're being called by the Lord. You're being called by the Lord. He's drawing you. Life with God is that your heavenly Father, He provides all things day by day by day. You have to expect that God, even when you're on the run, even when you're in danger, even when you're kicked out like David was, God is up to something. It doesn't have to be there for us to believe that it will be there. Think about it this way. Why in the world would David, who's on the run, in danger, become the leader of guys who are in debt? You know, people who are in debt are on the run too. So now people are chasing David. Now people are chasing the guys who are chasing David. They're going to chase David too. Right? Why would he take on all of these problems? Because David wasn't looking at problems. David was saying, I don't know exactly what you're doing, Lord, but because I have faith in you, because I know you've always been good to me, Lord, you're doing something, and I'm going to watch and see how you're going to add and how you're going to bless me even from a cave. Amen. Even from this incredibly difficult place. David knew that often, brothers and sisters, often God promotes us through problems. And he was like, God is going to do something powerful here. Look, there's a verse that we quote all the time. The verse is, despise not the day of small beginnings. Anybody know that? You should. That's a really good promise. Don't belittle the days of small beginnings, the, the scripture says. But look, the second part of that verse is so powerful. Here's what it says. It says, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. 
The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Maybe your marriage is in trouble today, but guess what? God can add and restart and relaunch your marriage. How many know God can do something new in our marriages, in our homes? Maybe you've hit a wall and maybe there's lessons to learn when you've hit that wall and you're in a career cave. But I'm telling you right now, lift up your eyes because God can relaunch your career. God can transform your life. God, he calls those things that are not as though they were. Okay, there's like six hands of launching faith in the house. Good. But it's true. It's true. See, what the miracles that God does for other people, he wants to do for you too. Now, a lot of times we think God wants to do those miracles for them. No, God wants to do those miracles for us. But we have to understand that he is drawn to our saying, Lord, you could do something new in my house. You could do something new in my mind. You can do something new in my relationships. I believe. I believe. You know, when we started this church, there were voices that said, man, how could you move? I remember, I, we, I must have had three lunch meetings with people who told me, don't move to Chicago. You know, godly people who said, don't move to Chicago. You should stay here. Your future's here. There's this here. I could see this. I could see that. I was like, okay, that's nice, but that's not what God's saying to me. That's not what God's saying to us. But there's nothing there. You don't have a job there. You don't have that. Yeah, but we believe in divine addition. Anybody here believe in divine addition? Hallelujah. God is able. God is able to take a, a, a place of emptiness and make it a place of fullness. God is doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Divine addition, that expectation is that you perceive that God is gonna do something. You're like, yes, Lord, you're gonna do something. I'm expecting you to do something in my life. When you leave here today, go home and stand in your living room and say, God, you're gonna do something new. You're gonna do something in my children. You're gonna do something in our family. You're gonna do something in our generations, oh God. Billions of people on the planet, but those people who are doing that from their living room, the blessing of God will fall. Because God is drawn. He's attracted to that kind of launching faith. And let me, let me just say this. If you're like me, right? This is one of the reasons why God gave me Chrissy. Because... My wife, she always sees the possibilities. She's like, oh my goodness, this is in my house, this is my kitchen. Oh my goodness, this is great. Al, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this. Look at the possibilities. I'm like, oh my Lord, look at the problems. Look at the difficulties. She talks me into all kinds of stuff. So funny because, so I was sharing this, I was talking to Shelly about it, and she said, man, that's funny because Pastor Tim was sharing in a staff devo and he was saying when Esther, his wife, when she sees that something's God, she's like, this is the Lord, both feet, I'm jumping in. And he's like, the life vest, you need the life vest. 
How many know we need the voice of faith in our being? We need to listen for what God can and wants to do. Spouses, speak faith to one another. Speak, expect the blessing of God over your home. Amen? So in light of that, let me give you a little piece of advice about this particular issue. Okay, because the world operates one way, but we don't operate like the world. Okay, the world justifies. The world, there is a worldly logic. There is a demonic logic. And then there's a kingdom logic. Faith operates based on kingdom logic. That's what you see in David's life. So can I give you some some advice here? Beware of complaining too much. If you are constantly complaining, it leaves you in a state of subtraction instead of addition. Beware of grumbling. Beware of nonstop pointing fingers. Don't get into that space. It just doesn't help you. Look at what David said. He said, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. Be good to me as you have promised. So instead of complaining, I'm in the cave. Look at these people. They're chasing me. Now they're chasing them, which means they're going to chase me too. All of this grumbling. Stop complaining because you're not a victim. You're a child of God. We are more than conquerors. Stop the grumbling in the name of Jesus. You know, people who complain a lot, they're like prophets of the obvious. You're telling everybody what's wrong as if nobody else can see what's wrong. No kidding. See, don't give in to that. We got to get into the place where God is going to use us to take what's wrong and impact it for his glory and bring about what's right. Can somebody believe God for that in your circle, in your neighborhood, in your life, in your community? We're more than conquerors. Stop complaining. One of the things I've noticed about complaining is the more you complain, the more you become a victim. You stop complaining, you can take charge. By the grace of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome this. I can, I can, I can, I can uh, uh, get out of this by the grace of God, with the help of God. God has the solutions. God has the power. God is the God who opens doors that no man can shut. They can slam this door, slam this door, slam this door, but God will open a door for me. He will open a door for my family. Hallelujah. Don't grumble. Don't grumble. If you want to have a moment with God and say, Lord, I'm really not happy about this, that's cool. But faith will resist complaints and excuses. Okay? Complaints, excuses, and blame run together. But they're not helpful to us. And they hinder us from perceiving what the Lord wants to add. So here's a question as I end this point. Are you aware of what God is trying to add to your life? Ask yourself, what is God trying to do? And if you want to, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is true, right? Think on these things. 
So part of the thing that you need to know is that when you're thinking about what God wants to do, and you get set free from what the enemy, what your flesh, what the world is talking about, it just makes you better. It's a, it, it makes you healthier and stronger. What is the Lord? Go home. Pray about it. Think about it this week. Start waking up looking for what God is going to add. That's not, that's not like just positive confession. That's life. Give us this day our daily bread. How many know God's got something new every day to provide for his children? Hallelujah. So now, if we're really believing God to add, okay, when you, when you really expect God, that God is going to do something, here's what happens. You really want to be sensitive to honor everything he actually tells you to do, which brings me to point two, the second very important principle of launching faith is as follows. Launching faith always remembers divine submission. Everybody say divine submission. This is very, very subtle, but uber gigantic important. This is, this is huge for your life. So very, very subtle. So now David, who hasn't had a great relationship with his father, David, who hasn't had a great relationship with his brothers, David now becomes the leader. And as he becomes the leader, what does David do? What David does is he goes to the king of Moab and he says, hey, I need you to take care of my mom and dad. Okay? He wasn't bitter. He wasn't angry. He says, I need you to take care of my mom and dad. Why? Because the Bible says, ready? Honor your Everybody should know that one. Honor your mother and father. In the New Testament, it says, so that it will go well with you. What is the moral of the story? Here is the moral of the story. Here's how it applies to our everyday life. Even in times of pressure, the call to honor never goes away. Okay? Launching faith has the ability to see God's government even when the pressure is on. You see, some people will serve God when it's good. Some people will serve God when it's easy. But the minute the pressure is on, they resort to dishonor. If you look at the last couple of years, so many godly people, when the pressure came, they got in the flesh. We resort to dishonor. But no matter how much the pressure is, how many know we are still called to honor our King and our Savior? No matter how difficult, we don't respond like the world. We respond the way God wants us to respond. Many of us don't realize that when we honor God in times of pressure, that is actually our launching pad. You see? Some people, God wants to promote you, but he won't promote you because you need to learn the lesson and the principles of honor. 
If in this small thing you won't honor God, then what will you do when you got the big things? You see? And so God will test us. And when we honor God in the small things, then he knows, he knows that he can give us more. I want to encourage you, honor God with your mouth. Okay? Look, if you can honor God with your mouth, if you could just control that little tongue, as James says, you got, you, you've won 90% of the battle. Most people get in trouble because of their, yeah, the tongue. Many, little thing causes a lot of evil, you know? So it's like some of us, we need to put a handcuff on our mouth. We need a tongue cuff. If, see? Most of our problems is because we talk too much and we say things that we shouldn't say. We say dishonorable things. Mouths that dishonor don't get the blessing. This is a big deal. So there is no excuse. And here's, here's a couple of key points on this particular issue. Number one, dishonor will destroy the spiritual momentum of your life. So that's what, what the enemy does is he tempts us when things are going really good, what he does is he brings a situation that will tempt you and incite you to bring the dishonor out of you. You see, because he knows when dishonor starts to pour out, pour out of us, then he put the brakes on. Our culture doesn't believe in honor. Our culture is, is, is so self-focused that it doesn't, it doesn't respect what the Bible says. Can I encourage you? Respect what the Bible says. Let's live, let's live a life of honor with our mouth. Somebody say amen. What are you talking about? Look, let me give you a quick example, right? So let's take politics. Uh-oh. Right? You know what I've noticed since I've been alive? Presidents come and go. Democrat, Republican, Republican, Democrat, back and forth, back and forth. People get frustrated with one, get picked the other, frustrated with the other, pick the other. Okay? The Bible says pray for those in authority. Okay? The Bible says don't dishonor people. You may not agree with the leader, but you don't have to disrespect them. When your kids hear you disrespecting leaders, okay, you're opening a door for them to disrespect you. Well, you lost me there, Pastor. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't. You see, we need to honor the Lord with our mouths. We need to honor the Lord with our thoughts. We need to honor the Lord with our finances. And we need to honor the Lord with our private life. What is your private life? Your life that when no one else is watching. Okay? Again, may the words of my mouth the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. So when you start getting ugly thoughts, thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of this, thoughts of that, choose, stop it. Don't let your thoughts control you. Control your thoughts. Take charge of the way you think. Don't be a victim. You are in charge. 
Hallelujah. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You have the people of God. You're in the kingdom of God. Surely we can walk in peace. We can walk with purity in our hearts and in our minds. Absolutely we can. Honor God with your finances. Honor God with your private life. You know, when we, when we um, first moved here, our first mortgage broker was a, a very devout Jewish man. And um, <clears throat> he, was, he was so pleasant to work with because we were talking about God. And um, I'll never forget, uh, one day as we were, you know, we were kind of closing or something like that, he says to me, he said, here's how I try to live my life. He said, my dad told me a story when I was a kid. So there were these, these two guys who were riding in a buggy, horse and buggy, and they were going through this giant um, orange grove, orange trees everywhere. And it was the middle of the day and it was so hot and they were sweating and thirsty. And the guy says, look, I'm starving, I'm thirsty. One of the guys says to the other, and he says, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna stop the buggy and I'm gonna jump out and I'm gonna grab like, you know, a dozen, look at how many oranges, a dozen oranges. And then you and I can, you know, what would that hurt anybody? So he says, so when I do that, you keep a lookout. And um, he said, uh, and if someone is coming, just say, hey, someone's watching. So he jumps out, think he's about to grab the oranges. The guy goes, someone's watching, someone's watching. So he runs back in the car, they keep going. So he says, okay, it's close, it's clear, does it again. Someone's watching, someone's watching. It's like, it's my grande, you know what I mean? It's like, so third time he does it. And when he gets back in the car, he's like, who in the world is watching? And the guy says, God is watching. Yeah. Hallelujah. How many know God is watching? So he's watching when no one else is watching. He's watching what you're watching. He's watching what you're thinking. He's watching, he knows, he knows what we feel, what we wanna do. Do yourself a favor, do yourself a favor. When you're in the thick of it, whether it be a temptation, or maybe you're in a struggle, Maybe you're in a battle, you feel angry, you feel lonely, do yourself a favor. You can use every opportunity of your life to strengthen your friendship with God. From a place of temptation, from a place of hurt, from a place of anger, even, look, over the years, I'm telling you right now, Okay, here's something that, that the Lord, just, just so that you could relate. This happens to every pastor here. Pastor Edgar, uh, every single one of us, okay? The Bible says, strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep. So if you wanna know who the devil is targeting, he's always targeting pastors. He's always targeting leaders. Why does he target, target mom and dad? Is because if you strike the leader, you impact everyone. So we get tempted to be discouraged. 
We get tempted to, to all kinds of things. And over the years, I've, one of the things that God has said, if you're going through this, what do you think your people are going through? That's one of the things that helps me pray for you. The, 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 the difficulties of life help me to pray for you, helps them to pray for you. But here's what I've learned, and please learn this. I'm gonna, about to close in a moment. Okay, if you're watching online, in those dark, difficult moments, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. And what that means is that from the most difficult place, you can say, Jesus, I need you, God. I trust you. I want you. And the Bible says, draw near to God. And what will happen? God will draw near to you. Grow your friendship with God in the hard times. Grow your friendship with God in the difficult times. You're gonna tell me, you're gonna tell me that the king of glory, the king of the universe, the one who knows even how many hairs you have on your head when you are in a tough place, you could be experiencing the temptation of your life. You could want to do the worst thing, but you say, Jesus, help me, Lord. I, don't, I want to please you, God. You're going to tell me the Holy Spirit won't rush in and help you. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. When you're sad, when you're lonely, when you're angry, when you're tired, he wants to be your friend. Strengthen your friendship with God. You know, it's okay to say, Lord, I'm only doing this because I want to honor you. He says, he's, he's cool with it. In fact, he loves when you say, I'm going to put you over my feelings. I'm going to put you, Lord, over my desires. I just want to honor you. Now this, this brings us to the last point and then we'll close. So you're expecting God to add. The world looks empty, but the kingdom of God is full. Then because you're expecting God to add, you're like, you know what? I need to do this the way he wants me to do it. Because he's got the strategy. And I just want to honor him no matter what comes. And then as you're honoring God, here's the, the, the last thing. David had this so well. Launching faith pursues divine direction. Everybody say divine direction. You see, there's human direction and then there's divine direction. There's what you think you ought to do, then there's what God thinks. Okay, God knows, and you see this, if you go on to read this, what you see is every time Saul went to trap David, the Holy Spirit would speak to David and say, don't go this way, go that way. He's gonna go this way. How many know the Holy Spirit can steer us away from the pitfalls and the traps of the enemy? How many know the devil has plans, but God is smarter than the devil? God can lead us and guide us into victory and blessing no matter where we are, no matter what we do. He's able to show us the way that we should go. We need to pursue divine direction. There is the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
There's nothing better than when God gets you ready for what's coming. Almost done. Look, you could read your Bible in the morning. God gives you a verse. He jumps out at you. You're like, wow, that's good. You don't know what it means. But then the day unfolds. It's 2.35 in the afternoon. Something happens. And when that something happens, the Holy Spirit quickens that verse. And you're like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I know exactly what I'm supposed to say right now. There's nothing like being led by God. If you are here and you have in your mind and in your heart the perspective that God doesn't speak to his people, that God doesn't guide his people, that God doesn't direct his people. That is a big fat lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says that God leads his children. Hallelujah. When I first gave my heart to the Lord, I was watching Christian TV once. I'm not talking about this. I was watching Christian TV once. And it was a preacher, like me, and um, he was saying, he was talking, and he stopped, and he went, okay, hold on, excuse me, everyone. He said, okay, God, okay. He said, God told me to take an offering right now. It's like, get out of here with that, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like you're going to have a fax from God all the time, no. You see, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you seek God with all your heart, when you pray over and over, show me, guide me, something starts to happen to your spirit and your mind and your understanding. You start to learn how God speaks to you and guides you. You start to develop an ear. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So you have to develop an ear, and God guides people different ways, but you start to learn how the Holy Spirit guides you. I want to encourage you to embark on that journey. Start learning how God speaks to you. God speaks through His Word. He speaks through messages. Come on, somebody say amen. He speaks uh, 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 through, through godly friends. We have not because we ask not. I'll close with this. The guidance, guidance from heaven is the privilege of every child of God. Watch this. Those who are led by God's spirit are God's children. Conversely, those who are God's children can expect to be led by God's spirit. Of course, God can show you the way that you should go. No, don't do that. No, yes, do that. Trust me. Walk with me. Don't, don't, don't respond that way. I'll close with this quick story. I was about three years in the Lord, and I was in a, uh, just came to my mind. So I was in a service just like this, worshiping God. Missionary spoke. We were talking about giving our lives to God. And I talk about learning how God leads. So I was... I had surrendered. I was, I was going to Africa, Antarctica. I was going wherever God wanted me to go. I surrendered everything. I was like, God, just tell me what I need to do. And he said, go home and hug your mother because you had an argument with her today. I was like, oh, that's a mess. I sat down. I sat down. Well, listen, learn to, avoid, uh, to, to obey 
the whispers of God. It might be, go say sorry to your spouse. It might be, go get that thing right and watch. His voice will get clearer and clearer. They that are the children of God will be led by the Spirit of God.